cause. Pray for Heartbeat International. Pray for Heartbeats of Licking County, our nearest pro-life pregnancy center uh, that is just down the road uh, in Newark. Pray for healing for the millions of women and men affected by abortion who at one time believed the lie but now live with the consequences of discovering that not only does abortion take a life, but it leaves women and men who participate in abortion deeply wounded until they find healing in Christ. Pray for those who have not yet found that healing, that they would turn to Christ, receive the healing that he can provide, and that then they would allow God to use their experience and use their pain for his glory as they become outspoken supporters of the cause of the unborn. If you know someone who's in an unplanned pregnancy, pray for them. Pray that they would make God-honoring choices. Pray for them to have the support around them that they need to walk out those God-honoring choices. Pray. Christians are to be people of prayer. So pray, pray, pray. Pray any way and every way that you can think of on this topic. Every Christian can do this. And so this is a way that every single one of us can and should be involved. You can also consider giving financially to the cause of the unborn. And Christians who have the ability to do so really should strongly consider this type of involvement. You can give to Heartbeat International. I'm sure Jarrell would be thrilled. You can give to Heartbeats of Licking County. Uh, many of you here in our congregation do participate annually uh, when we um, join with Heartbeats of Licking County in their Bottles for Life campaign. You know, they bring us those little empty baby bottles. We fill them with change and dollar bills. And by the way, you're allowed to put checks in them as well. They, they accept that. And then we return them two, three, four weeks later. And, and so many of you have participated in that. I think uh, we've done that for nine or 10 years now. And historically, I think 2500 or so dollars is usually raised through that campaign. And one of the goals I think would be great for us to have as a church is to have 100% participation uh, of our membership in the Bottles for Life campaign. I think we have somewhere around 125 families that consider this their church home. And uh, usually I think we have 70 or 75 bottles that we uh, return back to them. And I'd love to see us as a church this year return 125 bottles uh, to them. And if we did that, we would see that amount that we're collectively giving go up uh, pretty substantially. I also want to let you know that our church gives monthly uh, to support Heartbeat International and Heartbeats of Licking County. It is a part uh, of our budget. We write giving to those uh, organizations into our annual budget. It's a modest amount. Uh, honestly, it's almost an embarrassing, uh, embarrassingly modest amount. Uh, but between those monthly, uh, the monthly giving that we uh, provide them and the Bottles for Life, it at least serves to mark as a priority this cause in our church. You know, if you want to see things that are a priority in your life, where do you look? You look in your checkbook. So look, look in your checkbook and see if VCC is in there, by the way. <laughs> and you'll, you'll know, like, okay. But, but cause of life, does it show up anywhere there? Uh, the things we prioritize are in our checkbooks. And so our collective checkbook uh, we are prioritizing this. I'd love to prioritize it more in coming years, but it is in there. It is monthly. It is consistent uh, that we're giving there. If you know someone in an unplanned pregnancy, 
And without a good support network, and you have the means, you might consider giving directly to someone to help them in the God-honoring choice that they're making. Uh, If the need is real, and you know that it is, and you have the means, you might want to cover a few months of rent for someone. You might want to cover a month's worth of groceries, if you have the means. Maybe for you, the means that you have is to buy a single week of diapers or a single week of formula. Do what you can when given the opportunity. In addition to giving, you can volunteer. You can go to the Heartbeats of Licking County website, find their volunteer opportunities, give them a call or fill out their online form and say, sign me up, I want to help. They are continually looking for opportunities, looking for people who will come and be trained to be counselors. They will train you to do that. You can be on the front lines of making a difference for the cause of the unborn. If you say, well, that's beyond what I want to do, they'll, they'll train you to just receive people and welcome them warmly and show them around the facility. There are all kinds of things that you can do. If you work in Columbus and it's more convenient for you, you could do the same thing for pregnancy decision health centers. Uh, Look them up, give them a call, say, I'm willing to help. How can you put me uh, to work for the cause of life? So we can pray, we can give, we can volunteer. And here's something else that, that you can do and that I think every Christian should do this one. You can get informed. If you're not informed, get informed. If you are informed, get better informed. Take an afternoon. And do some research on this topic. Research some of the statistics so you know the scope of the issue that we're dealing with. Depending on the source where you get the information, there's, there's a little bit of uh, different information out there, but everybody agrees that somewhere between 55 and 60 million children have been aborted since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision. You ought to know that. That information ought to be accessible to you in in your mind. Research some statistics for abortion internationally. It'll help to give you a a real understanding of how significant this issue is. And here's what you're going to find. Around the world, 42 million abortions are performed each year. One of the best things you can do is to do some research on human development from conception through birth so that you can clearly articulate why it is that from the moment of conception, there exists a real human being whose life ought to be protected. A few simple facts can make for a compelling case. In fact, you don't have to do much research until you have an inarguable case. Now, an inarguable case isn't one that people aren't able to argue. It's one they can't argue logically. So you'll still get arguments. They just won't be logical arguments. They won't be scientific arguments. You don't have to go very far into the research until you really have an inarguable argument. First, it's a scientific fact that an unborn child from the very first moment is a new human individual. It has, from the moment of conception, the three essential characteristics that make it a human life. It is alive and growing. 
It is composed entirely of human cells, and it has unique DNA. There's never been one like it before. There will never be another again. It is no debate, friends. It is no debate that we are talking about real human children when we talk about a fetus. Let me read a testimonial to you of a doctor who had his mind changed because he came to the conclusion through observation that we are talking about a real human child. Uh, This story uh, comes to us from the writing of a lady named Frederica Matthews Green, who uh, read an article of hers this week where she was talking of her own conversion from being pro-choice to being pro-life. And one of the things that was significant to her was reading the story from a doctor who had been pro-choice and converted to the pro-life position. The doctor's name is Richard Selzer. He was a surgeon and he was in favor of abortion, but he had never seen one. And so he asked a colleague of his who did abortions if the next time he did, he could, he could attend the abortion. And so Selzer described seeing the patient who was 19 weeks pregnant lying on her back on the table. The doctor performing the procedure inserted a syringe into the woman's abdomen and injected her womb with a chemical solution that would bring on contractions and cause a miscarriage. They, they don't use this method anymore because it would often result in born-alive children who were disfigured and burned. And so they become much more lethal in their approaches now, and they make sure that they don't have them born alive. So after injecting the hormone into the patient's womb, the doctor left the syringe standing upright on her belly. And then Selzer writes of his experience. I see something other than what I expected here. It is the hub of the needle that is in the woman's belly that has now jerked, first to one side, then to the other. Once more it wobbles, is tugged, like a fishing line nibbled by a sunfish. And he realized that what he was seeing was the fetus's desperate fight for life. And as he watched, he saw the movement of the syringe slow down and then eventually stop because the child was dead. Frederica Green writes, whatever else an unborn child does not have, he has one thing, a will to live. He will fight to defend his life. And the last words of Selzer's essay are these, whatever else is said in abortion's defense, the vision of that other defense, the child defending its life, will not vanish from my eyes. And it has happened that you cannot reason with me now for what can language do against the truth of what I saw. I have a video that I want to play for you that shows some of the key points of development in the life of an unborn child and once again makes the case that there is no argument, we are talking about human children. Let's watch this.
And here's the reason that we need to be informed about things like what we saw in that video so that we can do the next thing that Christians can and should do on this topic. And here it is. Speak up. Speak up. Here's the first place that you need to speak up. In your own home, with your own family, with your own children. Listen, I know there are no guarantees when it comes to the beliefs and practices of children, even those who are raised in God-fearing, Christ-honoring homes. But at a minimum parent, you ought to commit yourself to making it really difficult, as, possible as, you, as impossible as you possibly can, for your child to reach adulthood and be pro-choice. There are a lot of forces out there today that are trying to influence your children on this topic, but yours needs to be the loudest voice in your child's life. Make the case to them biblically. Make the case to them scientifically. Make the case to them morally. Every person in this room with children is capable of doing this with just a little bit of effort on your part. But if you need help, I am happy to help you. Jarrell would be happy to help you. My brother Nathan, who is very informed on this topic, would be happy to help you. Just put a little time and effort into communicating with your family about this. This is one of the greatest things that you can do for the cause of life, for the cause of the unborn, is influence your own children to think correctly about this issue. But I encourage you, Christian, not just to speak up in your own family and with your own children, but I encourage you to speak up whenever and wherever this topic arises. Around the water cooler, at the work party, with friends and family members. Now understand what I'm not saying. I am not saying that you have the responsibility to initiate this conversation. But I am saying that when the conversation is brought to you, you should not shrink back from it. You should speak up. When your coworker says, I cannot believe the war that pro-lifers are waging against women, do not leave that unanswered. Speak up. Answer it. Here's one answer you could give. You do realize, don't you, that the cause of life is like full of women? You do know this, right? You, you do know that it is primarily women who are involved in the cause of the unborn. Are all of those women waging a war on women, on themselves? Do you really think that? And if you're a woman, you can go the next step and say, are you saying that I'm at war with women? I am a woman and I'm 100% pro-life. What are you saying? Are you saying that I hate women? Don't leave it unanswered. 
When your family member says at the next family get-together, I wish all those crazy anti-science pro-lifers would listen to Bill Nye and get some facts. Don't let that go unanswered. Say something like this. You mean the facts that from the moment of conception there's a living organism so unique that there's never been one like it and never will be again? You mean the fact that from the moment of conception all the relevant aspects of what it means to be human are present? It's alive and growing. It's it's composed entirely of human cells and it has unique DNA. Are those the facts that Bill Nye would share with me? And then I give you permission to go further and say something like this. If those aren't the facts that Bill Nye would share with me, then Bill Nye is sharing something other than scientific facts. That makes Bill Nye a bad, bad scientist. By the way, he's not a scientist. But that makes Bill Nye really bad at science. And it makes him a liar and a fraud. I have viewpoints on Bill Nye. What can I, what can I say? And here's one of the things I want to encourage you about speaking up. Do so unapologetically. Do so unapologetically. I would even suggest throwing in a pinch of incredulity. The current presidential campaign has been encouraging me in at least one way. I know it's discouraging a lot of us in a lot of other ways, uh, but it has encouraged me in at least one way, and that is the unapologetic nature of how several of the candidates have responded to questions about abortion. They, They have just been unapologetic. One that has particularly stood out to me is a response given by Marco Rubio when he was asked how anyone could could really know that a fetus is a human. His answer was this, what else could it be? A cat? (laughs) There's incredulity in the answer. There's an attitude that's saying, what is wrong with you? Of course it's a human. What else could it be? And friends, this is an acceptable attitude. Because it is the truth. Of course it's a human. Any beard-scratching angst over whether a fetus is actually a human or not is preposterous and really it's not even honest. Everyone knows that an unhatched turtle is still a turtle. And some are protected by law, by the way. So if an unhatched turtle, we all agree, is a turtle, how is it possible that we can't figure out an unborn child is actually a human? Amen. So speak up. Unapologetically. You are not the one who is wrong. You are not the one with the immoral idea. The other side is. So stop acting like you have something to be embarrassed about and simply speak the truth when given a chance. We are in large part with many topics in our extensive cultural decline in the place that we are because God-honoring people have been convinced to shut up, be quiet, don't say anything, 
Don't talk about that in polite company. Don't do it. Oh, that's going to be really awkward. We have to speak up. We have to speak up. You don't need to be belligerent, but you can be incredulous. Because frankly, it's ridiculous. And here's another thing you can do for the cause of the unborn. You all are going to love me after this one, but here, here we go. Prioritize abortion and the cause of the unborn in your voting choices. We are in an election season. We are in an election season. I will never endorse a candidate in my role as pastor here. I might on Facebook. So if you don't want to see that, unfriend me or don't friend me because I might there. But I will never in my role as pastor here endorse a candidate. But I will never fail to speak out clearly on the most important issues, especially on this issue. Here's the reality. The next president is likely in their first term to appoint one to two Supreme Court justices. And there's a possibility if that person gets a second term that they will end up appointing three to four Supreme Court justices. That is huge. That is huge. You get the right justices who actually care about interpreting the Constitution correctly, Roe v. Wade could actually be challenged and overturned as it should be. This is huge. And Christians ought to take this into consideration. So I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but here's what I will say. I do not believe... Well, let me, let me back up a second. I don't have chapter and verse for what I'm about to say, but I will tell you that informed by Scripture, I believe with all of my heart that what I'm about to say, the Lord is pleased for me to say. I will not tell you who to vote for, but I will tell you that I do not believe a Christian should ever vote for a pro-choice politician. That is not to say that you need to be a single-issue voter. It is to say that a person who cannot get this issue right does not have the intellectual or moral capacity to serve as president of the United States. If you cannot get this issue right, I should not trust you on any other issue. Look, we can debate as Christians what the best economic policies are for our nation. Some of us are just like hardcore capitalists. Some of us, you know, we're, we're attracted to some features of more of a European-style socialism. Christians can have disagreements over things like that. I am not going to get up here and talk about those issues. Christians can be fully committed to Christ and be pro-union or anti-union. Christians can be fully committed to Christ and, and be for amnesty for illegal aliens or, or think that we need to, to build a wall and, and not support amnesty. I'm not going to tell you what to think about these issues. Christians can disagree over common core and a whole host of other issues 
But as your pastor, for whatever it's worth, Christians cannot disagree on life. Christians are pro-life. We, we might find a few very narrow points that there's some room for debate about, but Christians are pro-life. A pro-choice Christian, I believe, and I believe the Bible supports this, is an oxymoron. And as people who are pro-life, the cause of the unborn should be a priority in our voting. And here's why. This is not just another issue. It's not. This is the moral issue of our time. If you're a person concerned with issues of justice, I submit to you that this is the greatest social justice issue of our time. And so here's another thing Christians can do for the cause of the unborn, and this is my final point. Refuse to believe those voices who try to make this just one of many issues. It is not. It is the issue of our time. A society that allows the legal killing of the most innocent and vulnerable among us is a society where Christians have failed to be the salt and light that God calls us to be. It is absolutely inexcusable that in a nation where nearly 70% of our inhabitants still claim some connection to Christianity, that the Planned Parenthood videos from this past summer did not result in our arising in one voice and demanding the end of funding for that godless organization and the end of the practice of abortion. And so stop being duped. And that's what it is. Stop being duped into acting like this is just one of many issues and give it the significance it deserves by prioritizing it in your voting. Years ago, when I was a VLI student, and that's Vineyard Leadership Institute, if you're not familiar, and I was leading my very first home group, I I had a man in my group who was an OSU professor, and it was during an election season, and I shared views that were very similar to what I've shared with you today. He objected to my viewpoint because he believed that year that the pro-life candidate was more likely to get our nation into wars and that that would result in the loss of life just like abortion results in the loss of life. I was much younger and less certain of myself and after all, he was an OSU professor. So I bent myself into a pretzel to be respectful of his point of view. And since then, I've met many more Christians with views like this. And while I think they're wrong, I've always ultimately just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, you know, what, what can you do? I mean, I, I, I believe their faith is genuine. I'm not going to question their faith. I, I don't know what to do about this. Doesn't, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean you always think clearly about things. So, I, you know, whatever. And in fairness to these people, they uh, have always been pro-life in their personal convictions and would make personal choices consistent with that, but they just never saw the need to prioritize it uh, in their voting. I understand their viewpoint. Uh, In some specific cases, I still respect the individuals, uh, but they are simply wrong about this. They're wrong. 
And I want to end my presentation today with a video that Jarrell was planning to show that illustrates why this issue isn't just one among many. And it illustrates the folly of comparing the loss of life due to abortion to the loss of life for any other cause. And I hope that this will be impactful to you. Right where you are, I just want you to, right there in your seats, just shut your eyes. What you're about to hear are the sounds of metal BBs striking the side of a tin can. For every BB that strikes, it represents 10,000 lives lost in the wars of America's past. 10,000 lives for every BB. This is the reality of what is occurring in your country. The American Revolution. The Civil War. World War One. World War Two. The Korean Conflict. The Conflict in Vietnam. September 11th and the War on Terror. Since 1973, the help us. Should not be. And it would not be if enough Christians cared. Let's stay.